This is the current federal tax developments for the week of October the 24th, 2022. Current federal tax developments are brought to you by Kaplan Financial Education and by your state society of CPAs. I'm Ed Zollers, and we're going to talk this week about a few things that have been happening in the area of federal taxes. This week, we're going to look at the fact that the IRS rolls out or basically announces and appeared to actually roll out on Friday a pilot program to block automated calling systems. We also have a discussion of a couple of releases this week dealing with inflation adjustments for 2023. Now, as normal, the IRS always releases these in two blocks. The first block is a set of adjustments that relate to the general inflation-adjusted amounts. And a second release, which came later in the week, is the release related to the basically the inflation adjustments for qualified retirement plans, those limits for 2023. Reminder, we, there are a few other inflation adjustment items that come out during the year. The health savings account limits came out much earlier in the year for 2023. So everything's not together, but we have the biggest one this week and with the qualified plans, what's effectively the second biggest one. So we'll have that set coming out this week. So we have all of those things coming into play for this week's uh, session. Let's start with, though, a item that got started on Monday. This is an article from Nathan A. Richmond that was in Tax Notes Today Federal on October the 18th. And it was entitled, The IRS is Looking to Block Line Jumping for Phone Calls. And this was a report of a statement made by Timothy McCormley of the IRS Office of Professional Responsibility at the American Bar Association section of taxation meeting. And what Timothy announced was that the IRS was going to roll out a pilot program looking at attempting to thwart the use of automated programs that can be subscription services, that could be automated dialing systems, various structures to call the IRS's various lines that need to be called when you have correspondence. Specifically, the IRS was looking at the practitioner priority service lines uh, and and having those being restricted in some way so the IRS could identify if there was a non-human caller in that case, and essentially dump them is the idea they're going to be doing. Now, what Timothy told us was that this plan would be implemented soon was the term he used. On Friday, we got our first evidence that the IRS was actually implementing. In fact, as the day went on, we got more evidence, shall we say. But the plan appeared to roll out on Friday. There were reports on Twitter that the IRS was asking you some information, apparently from what I've been able to gather from what was posted on Twitter and also what later the IRS would send out late in the day in the IRS kind of you know update to uh, tax professionals in what I think was the first release on the, uh, that the IRS released openly to somebody, uh, essentially, regarding the release of these items. So the IRS uh, said that we were doing this in some way other than just if you're at the Bar Association meeting, they would ask you to tell them uh, something like, what is four plus one? What is that total? And to speak it out. And apparently the idea the IRS had was that they were going to be using 
a mechanism to determine if that was a human responding to that question or if that was automated. And I suppose there are various ways they could attempt to pick up on that. There are various things they could look at. Uh, you know, it's not clear exactly how they would do it. There are various ideas I would have about what you might do to quickly identify the same automated voice being used to give the same answer multiple times. Uh, there are ways, and so in which case, it could be a various ways you could work that. So whatever it is, obviously the service does not plan to announce what was going on. But in addition to that, we had, as was also reported, there was a post on the website of the ENQ service. Now, for those who are not aware of what that is, that, that's a service that has gotten a lot of publicity, has both proponents and detractors. Uh, but what it did, if you paid a subscription, what they would do is they would essentially get in line at the IRS and start you know, getting lines ready to go. And so when you called in, they would claim they could provide you with a line in, let's say, 10 minutes after you called, rather than having the frustration of calling, being told, oh, you get a courtesy disconnect, or being put on a seven, eight-hour hold, you know, where you're there forever and can't do anything and you're tied to your phone. So they started selling that service. Now, as I said, that was somewhat controversial. Um, you know, some people, because I should be, to be fair, ENQ was selling this service well before the pandemic, right? It was something they did well before the pandemic. This is not something that just got started in the pandemic. So, you know, it's not as if it was a pandemic type situation. But obviously, you know, the lines they grab are lines that somebody else couldn't get, who legitimately was trying to call, which raised the question of, at a certain point, if enough of those lines are tied up, essentially they're, they're removing inventory from anybody who doesn't pay to dial in. So some people were very upset about that. Some people said, hey, it's worth the, worth the bother. This is just having an assistant do it. We won't worry about which way you want to go on that one, but I will just say, you know, it was a service. But what they posted was that they were temporarily on Friday on their website, they were temporarily discontinuing, you know, basically suspending their service for three particular IRS lines, two of which were, I think there was collections and uh, they, they suspended, I guess it was like correspondence exam. And they also suspended the business pra practitioner priority service line. Now that occurred at the same time we saw these posts about something else going on. So it became pretty clear that something was happening. And they said on their website it was due to changes in the IRS's, you know, calling system that they were doing this. Now, as should be clear, you know, they, they had said they were working to solve the problem, you know, and to get things back and running was effectively the implication they got. And I should say that implication proved correct, at least for the practitioner priority service business lines where late in the day, and I mean, as I recall, it was about, uh, 1 p.m. here in Phoenix, which of course for those on the East Coast would have been, you know, around 4 p.m. That on their website, the notice changed to remove the practitioner priority service line for business. Still kept the other two, which as of the time I started recording this on Saturday morning, uh, those two were still there. And I've got to believe they'll probably stay there until Monday because you can't call now anyway. It's kind of, re kind of redundant. So we'll see what happens. But 
you know, they were apparently working to get it going. Now, my guess is that the IRS is probably, you know, going to be taking some other action. What was kind of interesting was just after, you know, we saw ENQ, you know, remove the practitioner priority service business line from there, uh, the IRS did post uh, on their weekly update to tax practitioners, you know, their email update. They did post there the official announcement now, you know, through the email that they were rolling out this program. So as I said, to somebody other than if you had gone to the Bar Association uh, conference or you read about the, you know, the proceedings there in tax notes, you know, you, you now had that announcement they were doing it. It was also interesting that it came out just before five. And it said, this is where we discovered you'd be asked to respond to questions, which gives the implication that they're going, you know, you're going to be asked to provide certain information. My guess is, and I think it is a guess right now, but it was interesting the IRS only did three lines, which is what I would take. Looking at what ENQ said, looking at what the IRS did, I'm going to assume they probably used those three lines. They debuted them in the morning. Uh, you know, ENQ got on. Obviously, their systems no longer worked to get lines for those numbers. So they told their subscribers it wasn't going to work and they would need to try to call via other IRS lines, which they still could use. Uh, but, you know, you lose practitioner priority and you're going to try to find some other way to get in. That ought to have been interesting. Um, in any event, and I suspect telling the person on the line that you got in via the automated system, you know, when you're whining about not being able to do it the other way, uh, might have gotten you disconnected too. Not not sure, but it's like I don't don't think I would have raised that position uh, on the line. In any event, I suspect we're going into an extended period of what might be whackable. My guess is because what the IRS was asking seemed fairly simplistic and seemed like you know, you know we'd see how difficult it would be for ENQ to respond to something like that. And what that may be doing is that allows the IRS to learn here in the process. My guess is the IRS has other items. They say they're going to use artificial intelligence. My guess is they have other ways of doing this. And based on those other ways, what's going to happen is we're going to see the IRS rolling out new versions. Now, we'll learn a lot about this in the coming week. That is, will NENQ come back up with more lines that are down, you know, change the lines that are down, start swapping? If we see that sort of thing, that tells you that there is this, you know, basically whack-a-mole going on between the two of them. You know, uh, the IRS posts something that shuts down the current system. ENQ then works to fix that issue and post their fix, and the IRS then brings out the next one. So they're each looking to basically play whack-a-mole related to the actions of the other. We'll just have to see how this all plays out, but it is interesting that this is coming at this time. It's also interesting that they didn't actually start doing it until after the October 18th deadline. My guess is that was not accidental. My guess is they did not want to risk any disruption prior to that due date but they're ready to risk it now. So in any event, keep your eyes on this, whichever side of that battle line you're on as to how things are going to work. But definitely we're going to have developments over the next weeks or so, probably in this area. Next up, this week the IRS released a number of inflation adjustment items. The first one was issued on the 21st of October. 
was Revenue Procedure 2022-31. And what 2022-31 issued, uh, actually this was a bit early, I think it was close to the 18th, uh, it issued the standard inflation adjustment numbers for the IRS. And the standard numbers are, you know, what always has inflation numbers rolled each year based on change in cost of living. As you're probably aware, there's been some higher than higher than inflation we have been used to uh, for those of, you know, for any of you that weren't around during the late 70s, early 80s, uh, we had much higher than normal inflation for these years. So because of that, we expect more significant changes and we got some of them being more significant. The first one is the standard deduction. Uh, for 2023, the standard deduction, that is before we consider over 65 blind, the additional add-ons, for a married filing joint return will be $27,700. For a head of household, the amount will be $20,800. For a single individual, the uh, amount will be $13,850, as it will be for someone filing married filing separate. So those are our numbers at this point. They're also going to adjust the numbers for those who are 65 plus or blind. For 2023, those will jump to $1,500 and $1,850. So we'll see the jump at that point. Right. We're also going to see some other information. Um, what would have been the exemption amount if we still had exemptions, uh, but is kept around and they're now labeling it the maximum income for a qualifying relative because that's what we use it for in 2023 will be $4,700, right? So that's the most that somebody who is not, you know, your child, uh, basically that doesn't, isn't a qualifying child. This is the most they can earn and you can still claim them as a dependent. So that's going to be that number for next year. If you're looking at the small business uh, special accounting method, gross receipts, that will jump to an average for 2023 of $29 million. If you have that average for the prior three years, you're able to opt into the various small business uh, accounting rules. That includes use of the cash basis of accounting, use of the 471c inventory methods, uh, the ability to get out of having to do Unicap under 263 Cap A, as well as being treated as a small contractor, uh, which will allow you to use methods other than percentage of completion on your construction contracts. Again, that number will rise next year. It was at 27 million this year. It will rise to 29 million for 2024, 2023. Make sure you remember which year we're at here. The excess business loss limitation Remember that for individuals, there's a cap on the amount of business loss, net business loss that can be deducted on the Form 1040, and that that excludes any wage income you receive. So you're not allowed to take positive wage income as business income. That particular little glitch was fixed, as I recall, back in the CARES Act. Uh, they undid that there when they suspended it for a while, but when it came back in, it would have wages taken out. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act neglected to, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act per the Blue Book claimed they intended for wages not to count, but the actual law didn't say that. So they came back in later and did a technical correction. But that number will go to 289,000 for single individuals, et cetera, married, filing joint returns, that will rise to $578,000. Again, if you have the net business losses in excess of that amount, 
They are not deducted on the current year return. Rather, they are picked up in the following year as a net operating loss carryover. The foreign earned income exclusion for 2023 will rise to $120,000. Right, so we'll be able to uh, have the exclusions in that level. Uh, the gift and estate tax rules, those also have adjustments. Uh, the total amount you can pass tax-free during your lifetime and at death if you die in 2023 or you make your gifts in that year will rise to $12,920,000. So again, we're getting close to $13 million, but not quite there. As well, we'll see the annual present interest gift exclusion, the amount you could give to every person in the country if you want. And as long as you keep it below this level for each donee, you don't have to file a gift tax return. Right? It's not reportable and, would ne and wouldn't reduce your lifetime gifting limitation anyway. Even if you do have taxable gifts, otherwise these will be excluded. And up to this, any gift will be excluded if it's a present interest, goes to $17,000. So these are there are other inflation adjustment items in there. The tax, basically the tables for 2023 are in that uh, ruling, as are, you know, uh, things like AMT limitations are in there where capital gain rates cut off because remember, they're, they're still under the old rate schedules for their when they kick from 15 to 20. So you have to go look up that sort of stuff. And some of the other more esoteric items are can be found in Revenue Procedure 2022-38. As always, the other big package that we get usually about the same time is the list of retirement plans, IRA limits, employee benefit plan limits for 2023. And this comes out this year in Notice 2022-55, coming out on October the 21st. Now, and the interesting part is, if I remember if I get this right from TCJA, the set we just did is based on the chained CPI, while this one is not. So it's an interesting quirk, but the chained CPI doesn't go up as quickly as the, not, the one that doesn't count that way. So in essence, we get more significant changes under these rules is what tends to happen. The elective deferral limitation, which covers things like 401k plans and various other plans that have elective deferral limitations, aside from simples, uh, that one will go to 22500 next year with a catch-up contribution limitation of 7500 meaning that, you know, that 401k account could have 30000 uh, basically allocated to a specific participant. In that case, they would have to be over age 50. They would have to be a 401k because obviously you cannot use the catch-up contribution for employer contributions. So it had to be employee deferred. Uh, but we could get up to $30,000, which those of you that are a bit old timers may remember that at one point that was the max we'd get in there, you know, just for the straight up, you know, just, you know, it's basically been, been a max for a while. It's kind of interesting as we get to 30 grand. I guess, no, that wasn't really an old limit. Uh, sticking in my mind for some reason, but hey, get a little confused. You get older, you don't know what happens. We also have the limit on the amount uh, allocated to defined contribution uh, counts under 415. That one's, oh, I say at 30 used to be the max allocation. That is correct. We can actually get 66,000 into a single account with the 7,500 with the 401k. So a significant, significant increase there, well over $70,000 could go in each year to an employee's account in a defined contribution plan. Uh, 
uh, you know, and that that would be a combination. Potent would have to be a combination of somebody over fifty, of both employer and employee contributions, uh, because you have to have a four hundred one k. Because I said the seventy five hundred cannot be an employer catch up. It's got to be employee. Uh, but certainly you could get those numbers in there, and that that's where you can look at things like cross tested new comparability plans as well as the four hundred one k feature in the plan to get you up to those levels. The amount of compensation that can be considered for uh, the plan purposes is going to go up to $330,000 this year. So that'll be there. And the uh, maximum amount you can contribute to an IRA for the deductible amount is going to rise to $6,500 for the year. Now, we also have other limitations that you'll find in the notice. Uh, you know, the phase out ranges for if somebody's covered by a qualified plan. Uh, when their deductible IRA goes away, when their spouse's goes away, you know, if the spouse is not covered by a plan, but, uh, you know, the let's say one spouse is covered, the other one is not. Uh, again, you still lose the ability to make any deductible contributions at, one point, at some point, but that loss goes away much later, you know, or goes away at least a bit later than it does if just, you know, if we're looking at the covered individual. That's also been updated in there you know, bumped up decently. We've also found a bump up uh, for the amount people who can make a Roth IRA contribution without having to go the backdoor route. We all have fun with the backdoor contribution routines. And in any event, though, we, we will just kind of keep that in mind that those things are going. So in any event, we have all the inflation adjusted numbers out now. So, you know, take care, you know, you got got some numbers to work with for 23. But remember, these are all 23 numbers. These are not numbers that affect the tax planning you're doing right now for 22. They're just things that would apply in 23. So if you're looking at deferring income into 23, you're looking at, well, we could do this this year. How much could we do next year? This is where the next year numbers come. So be aware of that. This is about the time of year they do this release. Um, so we're getting used to that, right? Be in that realm. Well, this has been the current federal tax developments for this week of October the 24th, 2022. Current federal tax developments, as always, is brought to you by your State Society of CPAs and um, Kaplan Financial Education. I'm Ed Zollers, and I'm as normally doing this from Phoenix, although I'll be traveling this week to Portland and then up to Rochester, New York. So I'll be Portland, Oregon, Rochester, New York. It's interesting, two, two cities that have also reasonably sized cities with the same names, but in other states. So yes, Portland in Oregon, not Maine, and Rochester in New York, not Minnesota. Get the two right as we go. But I'll be doing, I'll be traveling around for that this week. Uh, also, you know, we'll be uh, going out and doing some other things over time. So, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll take a look. I'll be on the road a bit over the next few weeks be doing various things. I'll also be doing some broadcast stuff too. So it gets more interesting as we go on. I do monitor questions on the Connect sites for Arizona Society of CPAs, New Jersey Society of CPAs, Minnesota, uh, Washington, Illinois. And I usually will take a little look in on if anybody posts a question on Idaho's discussion group, I'll take a look in there. But otherwise, hopefully you survived your tax season. Yes, I realized last week I didn't post anything uh, because, yeah, it was the end of tax season. My guess was, first thing is, I had a lot to do. And secondly, I suspect a lot of you had a lot to do. And listening to tax stuff probably wasn't number one on your list at the time. 
So I figured that that was a safe week to push back a bit. And we got the inflation numbers anyway, because again, the prior week wasn't really a huge week in any event as well. So this week, at least we have a few other things. So take care. Uh, should be back next week with uh, more updates and things going on. We'll talk about you there. Uh, if you are going to be in my audiences in uh, Portland or Rochester, look forward to seeing you. But otherwise, uh, we'll see you back here next week for current federal tax developments.